You're listening to the Comic Book Informer Podcast with Vince and Raj, a podcast for everyone from comic nerds to comic noobs. You know who you are. Now here's your host, Vince. Hello, everybody, and welcome to issue 249 of the Comic Book Informer Podcast coming to you on February 3rd. And this week is just going to be a nice laid back, relaxed episode. Right, Raj? Okay. <laughs> sure. I can fake enthusiasm if you need it, though. Yeah, but I mean, when both of us are faking it, it's a little awkward. <laughs> There's a joke in there, but I'm not going to make it. <laughs> I'm sure Marty will mention it later. Mm-hmm. So before we get into our discussion for this week, something interesting happened the other day. You mean they Nothing. announced the Flash is going to be on Supergirl? That too. That's interesting. Yes. Probably more interesting than whatever it is you were just going to say. Oh, I guarantee more interesting. <laughs> <laughs> right after we had our discussion about comics based on animated series from my childhood, did you see what DC announced last week? Probably not. A new line of comics based on old Hanna-Barbera cartoons. So I'm wondering if maybe any of this would be of slight interest to you. <laughs> They're launching a new Flintstones comic. Dude, I used to watch that every freaking Saturday. It was <laughs> awesome. And yeah, that's just it. It's a comic about the Flintstones. Everything else they announced has a twist to it because of course it does. There's Scooby Apocalypse. How can that not be awesome? Imagine Scooby-Doo as designed by Jim Lee. That's how it cannot be awesome. <laughs> it could work. It could I want to see it. it. I want to see it. Looks it looks absolutely ridiculous. I'm obviously going to give it a chance. Wacky Raceland, which I mean, we all remember Wacky Races, Dick Dasterly, and the rest of the bunch from one of the designers of Mad Max Fury Road. <laughs> And yes, it's exactly what you think it's going to be. (laughs) Okay. And then the one that has me most excited, because while all of these shows originally aired well before my time, I watched a lot of them with my dad when they were on like TBS and stuff and early Cartoon Network. The Future Quest, which is a team up between Johnny Quest, Space Ghost, and a lot of the other... uh, like superhero and sci-fi type characters, the Herculoids and Birdman and all that. That looks really interesting to me because I love a lot of those characters. Hmm. Maybe. So we'll see what happens when it comes out because this is this is a little closer to you than Transformers. <laughs> well, yeah, but even then, I, I honestly, like you had made the joke, I didn't realize it was based on stuff that had actually been announced. But I mean, yeah, I watched all the shows, but I still. I, it's hard to explain, but there was that point, which was right around the your childhood, mm-hmm. where the, the 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 cartoons that came out were a good enough and and had enough. There, there was something to it that allowed for again this fandom to stay with you forever like Mm -hmm. i watched 
the Looney Tunes more so than than Hanna Barbera, right. and as well as a whole bunch of other cartoons as well uh, of that time. But Looney Tunes was the thing, and I mean. I can still sit down and watch those and enjoy them. Well, there are certain things that are timeless. And there is that. Bunny is one of them. But what I'm saying is that I wouldn't necessarily want to read a comic. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the things that like be it Transformers or the Turtles or different things like that lends itself just as well to that medium and to be just as badass. Let's be honest. A lot of the cartoons from my generation weren't meant to be badass unless you're looking at like He-Man towards the tail end kind of thing <laughs> and whatnot. And even that was more funny than badass. But so you, you didn't have that, that same attitude put towards the writing as you got, say, for your generation. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's what helps it become something then. You can look at now and have these things that you read and think, ah, that was fantastic. That was badass. There's never going to be a badass Bugs Bunny comic. And if Mm -hmm. they try, they'll fail. So that's the difference there. Well, it's kind of like, you know, my generation of cartoons, if you will, was the first line produced by the people who grew up with, you know, the older stuff like Bugs Bunny and the early Mickey Mouse and whatnot. So they made the cartoons that, you know, kind of they would, a yeah. lot like um, the directors when the, that second generation of yeah. directors yep. came out, George Lucas, Steven Spielberg, Francis Ford Coppola, Martin Scorsese, you know, they're the ones that grew up with cinema you know, at its height. And when they reached their adulthood and started making their own work, it was that much bigger. And it's, it's kind of a similar thing, even with comics, you know, with the big boom that it had in the eighties, you know, those are the people that grew up reading them in the golden age of the fifties and sixties. Something to look forward to, though. As for what we're actually talking about, this is something that just came out of nowhere for me. One of the comic writers I follow had retweeted it or something. I checked it out. I thought it could be interesting for a discussion. It is a webcomic called Trekker. It can be found at trekkercomic.com, written by Ron Randall. And when I first started reading this, I was like, man, he kind of has this retro art style that he's doing here until I realized, no, no, no. He's just republishing comics that first came out in 1987. (laughs) The Trekker comic was actually originally published by Dark Horse in 1987, and he started syndicating it on his own website in 2011 before he started writing and drawing news stories for it. And that's pretty crazy to go back to something you did almost 30 years ago and revive it. And I, I respect that. Well, it's... If it's a character and a setting that you really like, then being mm-hmm. able to go back to it and having learned something over the years also, then it certainly can be a lot of fun. How, so I told you, you know, we didn't set up how much to read. So how much did you actually end up reading of it? I read three books. Mm-hmm. Um, I was starting on the fourth one with the third one kind of having finally picked up to a point where I was interested. No offense, mm-hmm. but yeah. And then the fourth one starts with her in, in like negligee and corset and frilly stuff in bed. And that's when I went, okay, well, you lost me. <laughs> not because I've got anything against that, but it has to be appropriate and not just meant to be fan service. If you had put that on the other female character, the Molly one, I went, yeah, I can believe it. But here's this tough as nails, let's be very honest here, Mary Sue type character that... Yeah, she's going to be walking around in frilly panties just for the hell of it for no reason. I was like, no, you kind of lost me there, buddy. Sorry. (laughs) So I kind of stopped at that point. See, I I actually didn't read that one because I, I, like you, I read the first three 
And then I jumped ahead because I knew I wasn't going to get through all of them. So I kind of wanted to get a good sample size of everything that it had to offer. And yeah, the main character is Mercy St. Clair, a trekker, you know, a futuristic version of a bounty hunter. And I, one of the things I really like about this is each book, you know, each story, if you will, is fairly self-contained. Like I was able to jump ahead with no problems. It's, you know, there's obviously overarching storyline between the different, uh, missions plots what have you but each one really works on its own and yeah it's especially early on it's it's rough i mean it's i I would imagine one of the first comics this guy ever worked on professionally like even the the first book was before it was even picked up by dark horse he was like indie press or small press or something with it but there was things i liked about it it had you know this kind of like a blade runner future noir feel about it it was pretty well paced and uh was it had to have been the third one where she was chasing the bounty across the desert and we were really getting into like you know the links the character would go through it really started to grip me that was the only part that really i was finding interesting there there was that moment and i and i recognized it as i was reading i was going off oh, finally it, it's finally starting to be something that i can mm-hmm. get behind and enjoy and be curious about because again Part of the problem is the, – the, the problem wasn't with the, the setting, although, I mean, it, it borrows so heavily from other similar stories that it's Definitely. not like it's – it's not like it's wholly original. It's just, okay, we've seen this. It's whatever. It's fine. And, and it's done, again, well enough that you're not going to see necessarily problems in it unless you're really nitpicking. It's the characters and especially her. And and the others in the manner in which they interact with her as well. And I don't have, obviously, I don't have a problem with strong female characters. Of course not. But, and as and I hate the term, the Mary Sue term, because it's very often used wrong. And, mm-hmm. and as a, a way, a misogynistic term tossed that, you know, heaven forbid, there's a strong female lead in a character that she's a Mary Sue. It doesn't apply a lot of the times, but then there's times like this where she's perfect. I mean, she is perfect in every conceivable way. She is an, an exceptional shot. She's able to freaking dodge bullets she like i mean she can do <laughs> anything a horde of a whole like a, a squad of what was it four or five yeah. of these guys coming after her piece of cake and they're shooting at her with weapons from the, the the ship as well like there was so many things like that throughout where i don't care if it would have been a woman or a man it would yeah. have been like no there's why am i just reading it's 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 that superman thing like it's just this character is too powerful, too good, and it, it just didn't work for me. And then the relationships of the others with her, I didn't feel worked either. Mm-hmm. I I kind of thought it was kind well, of a lot flimsy. of the supporting cast is just kind of thrown in there. Like yeah. there's there's no relationship, at least especially early on. They're just okay. This is a character, and th- they're going to be a part of this this Mercy's life. Oh, yeah, she is very much the center of the universe and everybody else just rotates around her. Mm-hmm. So, again, I the, the the third book was interesting just because of because of the chase. Yes. But even that quickly 
devolved into yet again. Oh, yeah. she, she, was shot, she, she was shot. She was exhausted. That, that she was starving and dying of thirst, but she was still able to climb that cliff. Catapulted out of that shit. <laughs> like her little speeder thing there. Like she would have had a broken neck, spine, everything. And yet she drags herself away and still winds up besting this guy. Like there were just too many things. And and to the point of even saving the 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 the, the murderer woman that's that she shoots, and there were just too many that you go like, oh, like I, I was willing to get behind you on mm-hmm. this issue, and and even that you managed to screw up by making this woman too goddamn perfect. All right. So one of the ones I jumped ahead to was the first one that was ever published in color. I think it came out in 1989, off the top of my head. Uh, it's a little hard to get specific publishing dates for a lot of this stuff, <laughs> but it was titled Sins of the Fathers, which God, how many times have we seen that exact title on everything? Yeah, really. It's It's got to be the most overdone title in the history of fiction, but it was a big like double size special issue for her. Uh, where she went back to the academy where she was trained at because the guy that trained her had been attacked and almost killed. And it gave a lot of flashbacks to, you know, how she became a trekker in the first place, you know, her family life, what led her to choose this path. And a lot of it was kind of overdone, like, you know, the first boyfriend and all that. But it gave a lot more depth to the character of, you know, her father was a police officer who, again, not exactly a an original plot, but the way it was done worked well of, you know, him trying to fight corruption, you know, the system not working, him being attacked and killed. And that's why she decided to go against the system. It's something we've seen a thousand times before, but it was still interesting to read and all this stuff with her backstory. And then I jumped ahead further to the 2011 stuff, uh, the train to Avalon Bay. And it was, you know, your typical sixties, like train heist movie. And I, again, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's nothing spectacular, but then again, it's also free, so I'm not going to complain yeah. too much. <laughs> it, it's a fun character, and the great part about this is seeing the character and the art and the writing evolve over the course of almost 30 years because when he picks up in 2011, she's still wearing the ridiculous outfit, but it's drawn differently. Like All the style is still the same, but it's more refined. He has more experience as an artist. <laughs> she still just... has the absolutely ludicrous weapons, but you know she's holding them properly. She's no longer <laughs> live-felding them. <laughs> it's, I, I like that he kept the aesthetic exactly the same, but made it work more for a modern story. <laughs> so it's not just yoga pants and ass shots is what you're saying. Yes, exactly. <laughs> There's a hell of a lot of that in those first few issues, let me tell you. The camera, you know, liked to be in a certain angle. (laughs) Very low. A few feet off the ground. (laughs) And listen, it's just her personal style. She has to bend over slightly to do everything. And arch her back in just the right way. (laughs) God. But yeah, I I would suggest, you know, checking out, jump maybe jump ahead to some of the newer stuff. There's, There's some fun storytelling in here. I enjoyed it. It wasn't anything spectacular, but... It's something different, and I like that we can call attention to lesser-known works every now and then. But if you want to go online and read something spectacular for free instead, what you should be doing is reading Skull Kickers if you haven't yet. We've been saying that for, what, five years now? Yeah, I know, but now it's free online for everybody. Well, it always has been, just now it's getting to the final storyline. Well, you know what I'm saying. 
Like you yes. can go and read all of it now for free on the site. So do that instead. And I'm sure Roger will post a link in the show notes because sure, he brought it up. All right, then. For what else we've been reading this week, I only have two. You want me to start with the good one or the bad one? Because I don't know where to start. Let's start with the good one. All right. The good one. Uh, Southern Bastards, the in, um, image series from Jason Aaron. I've been keeping up with this and it's weird because I'm enjoying every single issue for a completely different reason. I mean, they're at the point in the story now where I hate myself for feeling bad for like who's essentially the main villain in this series. When it starts off, it's, you know, this guy going back to, you know, some small corner of, I think it's Alabama where he grew up and it's, pretty much exactly what you would expect bunch of you know white folk really racist really like every sort of southern stereotype you can think of is shoved into the story but what makes it work is the fact that that's where jason aaron's from (laughs) so he's writing it with experience like he's exaggerating some things but there's a lot that rings true to anybody who's been from an area sort of like that and there are parts of florida typically you know the city i live in that are very similar to the deep south in a lot of ways so a lot of it rings true for me as well so it starts off with him going up against you know the 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 high school football coach is the guy that basically runs the town because of course he does (laughs) and when we come to find out more about coach boss as he's referred to this guy is just an evil son of a bitch until we start getting into Coach Boss's backstory and they make us feel sorry for the guy. He's still unrepentantly evil. But now that we see more of the power structure around him and how he's basically stuck in this situation where absolute perfection and success are the only things he can accomplish. And even that is just, you know, if he does his job perfectly, He's just getting by like there's a lot of aspects to the character that are really interesting and seeing that, you know, the stress he's put under by everybody around him doesn't make him any less evil, but it definitely paints it in a different light. And it makes me feel really weird every time I read it because I end up at some points rooting for the bad guy. Hmm. And then the one I didn't like is going to surprise you. The latest issue of We Are Robin. (laughs) Because I enjoyed the first six issues. I didn't bother reading the Robin War crossover issue because forget that. And then I picked this up and I loved the first 20 pages of it. (laughs) We were introduced to a new character. Uh, Again, I forget the guy's exact name. He goes by Smiley. And he's in juvie. He had some sort of birth defect that kind of messed up his mouth. His parents tried to uh, give him plastic surgery, ended up making it worse. He has a permanent grin on his face. Because we don't have enough characters with that in the Gotham But here's the universe. thing. This story is telling the origin of the Joker's gang from Batman Beyond. Oh, okay. When Like the cover is the Jokers. And that's even what the story is called, the Jokers. So it's right. the, the origin of the Joker's gang. And I'm like, okay, this is pretty interesting. This character, you know, they do that thing where they show you like, not trying to make you feel sorry for the guy, but like, okay, he didn't have it great, but he still messed up in his own way. Like no rational person who grew up in this, <laughs> in this sort of uh, way would have ended up as some sort of psychopath, but you know, he did. So it's like, not trying to make you feel sorry for him, but it, it's, it was really weird and really awkward. And I liked it actually until the very end where he goes into his room and pulls the gun out of his, Uh, that he has hidden in his air vent 
And if it had ended there, I'd be like, okay. But it had to go that extra step of showing the violence. And in America in 2016, I've had enough gun violence, especially when it involves a teenage kid shooting his parents and then sitting down and eating dinner with them. It was just, it took things way too far to a place where it just made it uncomfortable. And what made it even worse was it was a fantastic issue leading up to that because it was juxtaposing Duke, you know, the main character. He finally found his parents. He found them in a psychiatric hospital because they've been permanently affected by the Joker toxin from the Batman Endgame story. So you have these two very different family dynamics, both revolving around a Joker type character. And it was really working, but it just went so over the top at the end. It left a very, very bad taste in my mouth. Right. What have you got for us this week? Well, sticking with that, then, are you caught up with uh, Batman Beyond? I am, but for the life of me, I can't remember. Oh, no, that's, um, what's his name? The little brother going to Metropolis. Brother going, yeah. So it's, it's kind of interesting. I like how mm-hmm. we're getting some of the flashbacks, which were actually well done, um, showing what happened with the superheroes being taken over by Brother Eye and things like that. So there was a lot of... There was a lot of cool stuff that had nothing to do with right. Batman Beyond or even the kid kind of thing. And a lot of times when that happens, it can really spiral out of control and you you lose interest because it's not the main character. But here, because we don't even have the main character to begin with because Terry McGinnis isn't there. <laughs> it's We're now a, following the tertiary character. Yeah, so it's a lot easier just to kind of roll with it and whatever. And 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 not just that, it was well written. So I kind of enjoyed mm-hmm. seeing the backstory of what's going on. I still am not enjoying this nearly as much as the last volume, but that's not to say that the story isn't well written, but rather just that I much preferred the characters, the interactions, and 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 the writing in the the, the prior right, volume, but right. at least some elements of this are bloody interesting, and mm-hmm. the 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 manner in which it's presented in the art and everything for again those flashbacks was really really quite cool. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I said I, I'm still liking it, but it, it, there's always that specter floating over this one. Yeah, and then DK three the master race. I haven't even bothered. It's 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 just so weird. <laughs> it's just like and I think it's it's trying too hard at points kind of thing. It's getting a lot of praise from what it looks like, but there's points where you're like, okay, well, whatever, because there's elements that are cool and then things happen and you're going like, oh come on, give me a break. So and then you're getting the the backstories. For for other characters, the, the the stuff with Wonder Woman I thought was actually more interesting than the the stuff with the actual Dark Knight stuff kind of thing. But mm-hmm. whatever, I don't know. It's I would really like to be excited for this and really love it. And obviously, some other people who are far more enamored with the that. It's not IP because it's still Batman, but you know what I mean? The the Dark yeah, the, Knight one. The Miller version of Batman. Yeah, I really, really digging it, but I'm reading it going like, again, it's that I keep going back to just trying too hard. 
And right. sometimes it, you can tell that when you're reading it. Something that worked 30 years ago isn't necessarily going to work now, no matter how hard you try at it. Exactly. I hate Fairline continues to be awesome. It, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Every... Everything about it is bloody awesome. I just, <laughs> you don't even have to talk about what it was about. It was just freaking cool. I loved it. Well, it's kind of hard to talk about what it's about without seeming like a bloody idiot. <laughs> yeah, it's just really, I I love the death dude. Oh, yeah. Lord Death Doom or whatever his name is. Yeah. Welcome to my realm of skulls. <laughs> like a playground for her <laughs> uh latest issue of Kanan. I, I haven't read it yet continues to be friggin' awesome i absolutely loved it everything about it great really still digging the story what's going on there uh, art was amazing pepe Larraz. um so yeah no this was uh again yet another really solid solid issue continuing to follow the events after that the, the the big war where he got hurt well not war but yeah where mm-hmm. they were and there's some f- scenes where you're like again in typical star wars fashion it's like they're so outnumbered and you're like that's it you've had it and of course there's a last minute save kind of thing but um but it's interesting because it also shows off more in regards to his relationship with the clones obviously before the executive right. order went through. So, and that's important because we we got so little of that at the beginning and it's been through the flashbacks that we're getting, we're seeing how important that relationship was. Because that's something that, again, when you, you're watching the Clone Wars, it's as you see their relationship to each of the other characters that you really, it's it's weird to say because they're clones, but you put a face to them. Mm -hmm. Because they're each different in their own way. And so you're seeing that here where specific clones are having a very deep impact on Kanan's life. So that's winding up up being fairly cool. And uh, latest Miss Marvel. Oh, my goodness. That was awesome. I was side-eyeing the science at the end a little bit. (laughs) Yeah, but please. Let's 3D print a protein. Um. I don't know about that, but it's still fun. <laughs> Actually, they're 3D printing shit right now that's unbelievable for putting into people and things like that. I actually follow that quite a bit. It's freaking awesome what oh, they can oh, do a- for Absolutely. But so literally it, 3D printing a protein string. <laughs> uh, yeah, and just roll with it. <laughs> Seriously. Exactly. It, they had it, it, pink at eyes. At some point, you have to comic book logic it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. But I like that she was working with uh, with uh, oh, yeah. Mike and doing stuff and and. I, I it was I, I enjoy the relationship between the three of those now together kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it was a, it was a very strong character development bit for Kamala at the end of that issue. There's a bunch of spider stuff that I could talk about too because I read a bunch of those as well, but I, there's not quite enough time. Plus, I got caught up on Autumn Lands, which I was behind. Mm-hmm. Wow, continues to be incredible. Oh yes. But you had mentioned this uh, when it was announced it was going to be out, and I read it. Did you read Pencilhead? I picked it up. I haven't had a chance to read it yet. It's freaking stupid. I figured as much. I'm sorry. 
<laughs> it's was, re- at no point did I say it was going to be good. Ridiculous. <laughs> I said it was an interesting concept and I wanted to see what happened. Yeah, it's not what I thought it would be. Mm-hmm. It's certainly not what I hoped it would be. And yet again, trying so hard just to be weird and different. And it's like, ah, okay, well, I tried. I really mm-hmm. tried, but hey. not for me. I, yeah. <laughs> I'm a curious what you okay. think. A for effort. I, I want to know what you think about when you read it. All right. I'll, I'll let you know next week. All right. All right, then. Our selective new releases for today from Marvel, we have A-Force number two, Amazing Spider-Man number seven, Captain Marvel number two, Doctor Strange number five, Invincible Iron Man number six, Nova number four, Obi-Wan and Anakin number two, more importantly, Rocket Raccoon and Groot number two, and Spider-Man number one. That's the Miles Morales series. Awesome. Who's writing that one? Do you know offhand? Bendis. Oh, nice. Mm -hmm. Bendis is going to write Miles Morales until one of them dies. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> from dc action comics number 49 batgirl number 48 batman and robin eternal 18 batman beyond number nine and detective comics and green lantern both with issue 49 from image we have Nailbiter number 20 paper girls number five pretty deadly number eight velvet number 13 and the walking dead number 151 and honestly that's kind of it for this week i didn't see much else of interest from any of the other publishers so This is where I put out the call. If there's anything that you're reading that we're not, that you think we might want to check out, you can leave us a comment over at comicbookinformer.com. You can mention us on Twitter at CBinformer. It would be nice to talk to somebody other than Marty. (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) (laughs) And also you can uh, find us on iTunes, Stitcher, all over the place. We're all over the internet. It's kind of hard to avoid us at this point. So that's going to wrap us up here this week. So until next week, thanks for listening, everyone. Admit it, you martyred that up. No. <laughs> you so did. Listen, no. <laughs> I listened to the famous martying. <laughs> Nothing in the history of my podcast <laughs> is ever going to come close to that. <laughs> It was you so can make f- a super cut of every f- I've ever done. And it won't be that long. <laughs> it was so funny when it was happening. Because I'm sitting here going, what is happening? You were watching the train. Like, what is <laughs> Approaching happening the bridge. Here? <laughs> Does this train even remember what the rails look like? Because <laughs> I don't think so. Make sure to stop by comicbookinformer.com and let the guys know what you think in the comments. If you'd like to hear more from Roger and Vince, check out Popcorn Ronin, a bi-weekly movie, TV, and anime podcast, as well as For the Lore, a weekly gaming podcast.